Badass. Welcome to the Radiant Badass. If you like your suburban mom with a side of punk and your spirituality laced with pop culture references, friend, you are home. I'm your host, Elizabeth Holmes. I'm so glad you're here. Let's have some fun. Okay, so last week, which was in an episode that I actually recorded mid-September, I was all up in my feels about my empty nest and the whole, like, I don't even know what's next vibe, right? That's the episode that dropped last week. If you missed it, I'll link it in the notes. It's episode 69, dudes. So check it out. But now it's a couple weeks later and I spent most of that time traveling, traveling without my kids. And I'm starting to see a little glimmer of how like what's next might shape up. That glimpse has been really elusive for me. Like I have not been able to imagine what that would look like. And I figured like I knew you have to be in it to know like you can't project. But I just wanted to know. I mean, people, I read the end of Mysteries So I know who did it before I read the book. So like, I love spoilers. Process is not my bag. So early reports back would indicate that I am not going to hate what's next. First, on this travel extravaganza, which honestly was just to not be home and avoid my emotions or delay feeling my emotions would be more accurate. But first, my husband and I head out. We took the ferry to Victoria, British Columbia. And if you haven't been there, go, go. That's my travel review. And actually, I'm going to cover a few of the places we went and a couple of the things we did in my upcoming newsletter. Not on this podcast, because I feel like when I talk about my travel on this podcast, I just end up saying things like, it's so cool. You should go. Or like, it was amazing, which is true, but you know, it's not super helpful. And I just don't think I'm going to be your go-to travel gal. That's not my talent. So sign up for my newsletter at my website if you haven't already. Anyway, back to that first trip without the kids. I mean, obviously to clarify, we've traveled without the kids since we've had them. Okay. Um, We've definitely taken vacations from them. But that's what they were, right? They were like a timeout. They were a pause, a vacation, if you will. (laughs) This is a whole different deal. I mean, up until very recently, we had to arrange caregiving while we were gone. And because we didn't leave a lot, um, there was always a new round of instructions each time we left them as, as things would change. Their schools would change. Our activities would change drop-offs and pickups and after-school stuff and homework essentials and like who was eating what and who is not eating what. And it wasn't just like a clean handoff is what I'm saying. I couldn't just pack my bag and flush thoughts of my kids for a week or whatever. We had excellent caregivers. I mean, I want to be clear about that. But I would still run lists in my head during our trips and I would call a lot to check in and then later text a lot to check in to make sure everything's running smoothly. But this trip was way different. I did check in to see how the freshman was acclimating. 
And also the senior has been getting some spots on the university news channels newscast. And I watched those and we discussed them. Uh, but I wasn't concerned about who was getting to class on time and who's feeding them and are they eating? Well, a little concerned about are they eating, but that's like more of a holistic thing and it didn't disrupt my vacation, but that's just being a mom, I think. Um, But I wasn't worried about that day-to-day stuff because, you know, as they keep telling me, they are adults now. So I'm choosing to believe them. They'll be fine. What I did end up doing on this trip is what I wanted for as long as I wanted. And that, my friends, is a freedom I have not felt in decades. I wandered all over the Bouchard Gardens without a kid getting cranky halfway through, without having to chase after some kid that's decided to do a speed visit because they decided it was boring. That was a friggin' delight. I saw the whole damn garden. I also didn't have to monitor anyone else's blood sugar throughout the day to try and avoid a blood sugar crash that would result in unpleasantness for everyone around us. I just bless that I didn't have to do that. I did have to monitor my own because I also did not want to get hangry. But it was just me. Another freaking delight was taking afternoon tea at the Empress Hotel, which I've never done before. In large part, because when we were there uh, with the kids before, I thought like, there is no way in hell I'm going to pay the tab for this afternoon tea just to have them decide that they hate tea or that they think the food was all gross. Like, no, I'm not flushing that money out into the harbor. I mean, I'm human and there would have been no way for me to gentle parent through that. So I just avoided it. Then it didn't become an issue, right? But good Lord, afternoon tea is the shit. It is so civilized. It is so relaxing. The food was fantastic. The service was amazing. The setting, impeccable. And if you haven't done it because you think you won't like it, I think you will. Try it. And you see, that's why I'm never going to be like a Rick Steves travel guy. I'm just like, you'll like it. It's good. (laughs) I don't don't give you a little history of it or like some little provocative facts that compel you to take the leap. Like I didn't just describe the tea sandwiches for you because it's not my thing. I'm not good at that. And for a person who loves words as much as I do, it's kind of like a funny little blind spot I have, like that I can't describe travel really or meals. Like I'm just like, it's good. We sat for a lengthy tea also, and no one at our table, as my husband and I, no one pulled out their phone to scroll social media or play a game. Freaking delightful. We had a conversation, we made eye contact marvelous. Over the course of the week, I really kind of got used to just following the vibe of what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. It was a new thing, acclimating fairly quickly. Like when those honeymooners that were in the pool with me got a little too close to each other while being a little too close to me in the pool, I just got out. 
I didn't have to experience some of that uncomfortable, harsh whispering you do to try and convince the kids to get out of the pool while trying to not make the honeymooners feel awkward. You know, that whole like, get out of the pool. Get out of the pool now. I'm not going to tell you again. Get out of the pool. And they're just like, why, mom? Why? And you're like, I'm not going to tell you again. Right? We've all been there. But honestly, like, why do we protect the honeymooners' feelings in that? I mean, do the honeymooners give a shit that they're making everyone else super uncomfortable with their excessive PDA? No. So why am I so concerned that they're going to feel awkward that I'm making them feel awkward? Conditioning. Conditioning. That's why. I can't have anybody feeling uncomfortable, even when they're being gross but I did just get out of the pool. As the week unfolded, it felt luxurious to just sit, have morning tea on the balcony, and then discuss what we wanted to do for that day and do it and not have to make sure we were incorporating activities into the day that would keep the kids interested. Did we do things that would have been of interest to the kids? Yeah, obviously. But that wasn't like our center. Now, I know that some people's approach to parenting is that you don't really accommodate for the kids. Like they just need to come along and do what you're doing and shut up, right? And I understand that. You do you. Having been raised that way, that is not my approach. My thought has always been that these kids did not ask to be born. So yeah, I will center them during our time together as a nuclear family. Understanding that someday our time together in that configuration would end, right? Like now, okay? Am I immune from family vacation meltdowns? No. Like, I know I talked about how I avoided situations where I'd have to harsh whisper at my kids, but sometimes I did harsh whisper at my kids. Like, I know what that feels like. In particular, Disneyland breaks me. Disneyland breaks me hard. There is always at least one time during our vacations there, usually multiple times, where I have the thought, and it doesn't come out of my mouth, but it gets so close, like it is on deck. But So I for sure have the thought, this is the thought, if I'm spending all of this money on you and my time to do this overstimulation land for you... And you are mad because I won't buy you your 57th Disney-related stuffed animal? You ungrateful little troll. I have some version of that, something about that. Like, yes, I definitely go there at Disney. For sure. For sure I've been there. And that is why I make the choice often to just take a pass on trying to force them to do something that they're probably not going to enjoy. Whether that be a museum afternoon tea, art gallery. But now, now I can make a different choice. Ah, and I began to find my groove of like, yes, this is what I want to do. And no, that is not what I want to do, which is just as important to figure out what you don't want to do. And it felt good. Then we got on the ferry for the trip back home. And we popped up to sit on the observation deck and enjoy that fantastic view. 
We got seats in the front row and settled in for the trip. And then this family of four comes trooping into the row behind us. You can tell by me saying trooping that this story is going not to a good place. The kids were about nine and maybe 12 or so, and they were already whining and bickering over who got the window seat, who got the window seat last time, who got to sit where, when, who got to choose what, when, blah, 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 back and forth, bicker, bicker, bicker. And the mom glances at me and our eyes meet. We're still making eye contact. And I say out loud, no. And I get up and change seats. And end up leaving the whole observation deck because you could hear the kids going at it across the entire deck. Did I feel bad? Yeah, of course. I am descended from a very passive aggressive tribe. And I will tell you that the way I've been taught to handle a situation like that would have been to not give up my seat, like claim my right to that seat. But I would also sit there and spend the entire crossing stewing in my escalating anger while listening to all that shit and throwing increasingly nasty looks at the parents. And then when the ferry would dock, I've been taught that my role would be to give them a deeply disappointed, loud exhale (sighs) as I flounced off the boat. Well, guess what? Not anymore. I have already been on that vacation they were on with my own whiny kids, and I do not have to participate in theirs, right? Like, I've already refereed the arguments about window seats. I've already negotiated who gets to do what and make what decision first. I've done it. I don't need to do it again. Do not need to do it again. I removed myself to the lower deck and had a perfectly fine view and maintained my peace. So freeing. I'll absolutely be doing more of that. Maybe I won't maintain eye contact with the mom while I say no, no. But I did not intend for that no to come out of my mouth. It slipped out. I'm new at this. Forgive me. Funny little coincidence, though, when we went below deck to get in our car to disembark the ferry, uh, that family was parked right next to us. I know. Yikes, right? The mom definitely did give me a dirty look. Okay. But I wanted to point out to her that I had done the absolute kindest thing by leaving. First of all, both her kids got window seats because I left. Also, too, she didn't have to angry whisper at them the whole trip to shut up right? Shut up. Shut up. And I wasn't glaring at her the whole crossing. So really, while I'm sure she felt embarrassed, I mean, I would have if roles were reversed. Uh, She didn't need to feel embarrassed. Nobody needed to feel embarrassed. Clarity is kind. So that's part of what's next. And so far, I am digging this. I'm digging this vibe, right? When society is getting all maudlin about empty nests, Maybe they could talk more about the good parts, too. It's like everything in life. You know, that whole parable, like it's the worst thing that could happen. It's the best thing that could happen, right? It's simply what's happening today. Now watch. 
friends, you'll tune in next week and I'll be sobbing. Hey, I am not saying it's not complicated. Like all grief, it's complex. And I'm committed to moving through the mess of it. And I hope you join me. I'm wrapping up my 70th episode here. And I am feeling so grateful for all of you friends and listeners. And I am excited about what's next for this podcast. I'll be spending more time exploring this concept of transitions and evolutions. Uh, I'm really interested in this messy middle moment, you know, when you're not the caterpillar anymore, but you're not the butterfly yet. Yeah, that's where <laughs> that's where the hard part is. And I will be inviting some of my broad squad friends on to hear their stories. So I, th- I think that's going to be fun. Um, what else is upcoming? I mean, I'll probably talk more about Dave Grohl. Uh, that's just me being realistic. Uh, but I hope you'll join in. I hope you'll join us. Thank you so much for listening to the Radiant Badass podcast. And I will be back here next week. 